What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. I'm your host for the day, Matt Johnson. Joined as always, got my buddy Austin Terry with me. Austin, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here talking Star Wars' deadliest catch, The Seas of Trask. Mmm, yeah. Definitely had that vibe, for sure. Before we get too far in, gotta mention, our co-host Keith has to go on a work trip this weekend, and we couldn't push the recording, so... Unfortunately, he'll be missing this episode, but don't worry, he'll be back next week, and we'll make sure whenever we do episode four, we'll give him some time at the beginning of the episode so we can get his thoughts out on this episode. So, no worries, Keith. Godspeed. This is the way. May the Force be with you. All that bullshit they say in this franchise. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I guess, Austin, I you know, I don't want to bury the lead here, but in case people haven't caught on or they didn't pay attention to the title in their podcast feed... Yes, this is The Mandalorian, Season 2, Episode 3 review. And so what does that mean? We all know it means we're officially entering the podcast within the podcast, The Mandos Talking Lalorian. That's us. We're here. And honestly, what an honor. Austin, are you as happy to be here as I am? I'm so happy to be here. It's it's just so wonderful to be here with you. It mm. feels like a throwback The Boys Talking The Boys episode, just the two of us. That's right. That's right. Yes. We, uh, <laughs> if you guys are fans of the boys out there and didn't know, we did an entire, we did, we did the same thing that we're doing now. We reviewed each episode of season two of the boys as those came out. It was just me and Austin. So go check those out if you haven't already. So yeah, this is a bit of a throwback, Austin. Um, before we get too far, and I know you mentioned this last week, I thought it might be fun to follow up. We talked about our ideal force power, if you recall. Mine, of course, was I would basically just want the power to use force push like, uh, all the time, and I would push against the ground, thus giving me the ability to fly. And maybe you're asking, Matt, why don't you just ask for the power to fly with the Force? And the honest answer is I didn't think about that. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess I only have really good Force push. And before before you go any further, yes, I did choose to be able to just keep the knot on my shoelaces a little bit tighter, so really mm -hmm. investing in my mm -hmm. mental skill tree, if you will. However, I don't want to develop any more powers this week without Keith, but there is something I think you and I need to talk about, which is the fact that on last week's episode, Keith chose the ability for Force Lightning, which means he might be leaning towards the ways of the Sith. And I think you and I are, are staying on the light side of the Force. So we, we may have a little bit of Arnie's conflict within this podcast. Yeah, for now. I would say for now, for sure, we are on the light side. But you're, I didn't even pick up on that, but you're right. Keith really, and not only did he pick lightning, but he jumped at it. Like, he really wanted that. Yeah. So we might need to watch our backs because... I mean, if he gets the high ground at any point, like if we're like walking on the street and he's on the sidewalk a bit above us, I mean, we could lose all our limbs in one foul swoop. <laughs> uh, you know what else would be fun, Austin, just because it's really quick. They have Star Wars name generators online. Should we just see what happens? <laughs> Should we get our own Star Wars names? Yeah, let's do it, but let's not tell Keith. And then on next week's episode, let's intro with those Star Wars <laughs> names. We'll see if he listens to these episodes and picks up on it. That's actually a great test. I like that. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I'm, I have the generator open. I'm just going to click the select button on mail names a bunch of times so it's random. And you're going to give me a number between 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. You're going to give me a number between 1 and 10. And then I'll pick the name that's associated with that. And that will be your name that cannot be changed. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Give me a number between one and ten. I'm going to go with four for the force. Oh, this is actually kind of a cool name. So, Austin, your name, your Jedi or maybe future Sith name, we'll see, 
is Sen Vonden. Ooh, Sen Vonden. It's kind of a cool name. All right, so I'm going to do the same thing for me. All right, and then number between one through four, let's go eight. Oh, I'm Ruto Order. I think mine's better. Yeah, it is. I, I don't like that my I don't like that my last name is just an English word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ruto Order, and you're Sen Vanden. Wow. So anyway, I'm glad we did that. We'll get Keith's name next time and see if he actually listened to this one. <laughs> so again, I feel like with uh, the intros and whenever it's just you, whenever it's just the two of us, sauce, and I feel like it takes us a long time. So I'm going to try and get through this. But before we get to the actual episode, we have to give our quick non-spoiler thoughts on season two up to this point. And then talk about some quick non-spoiler thoughts on this episode in case, like, we recommend it or not. So, Austin, remind the audience, how have you been feeling about Season 2 of The Mandalorian so far? And what were some just general takeaways you had with this episode without any spoilers? Yeah, so the premiere for me was was a really big miss. I really, really did not enjoy it. The action was fine, but overall I found the story pretty boring. Um, episode 2 was, was the total opposite. I really enjoyed it. I had a great time. It was a really, really fun little side story. Um, I, I loved everything that happened in Episode 2. And I got to say, episode three felt great as well for me. I really enjoyed it. And I it, and we'll get into this later, but it definitely felt like this should have been the premiere episode. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I, I guess I'm relatively on the same boat. I, I think out of the three of us, I liked the premiere episode the most. I have accepted, after not loving season one of The Mandalorian, I have come to accept that this is kind of a video game in a sense, this show. It's kind of like they give us a pretty standard main goal at the beginning of the season and then it takes us until the end of the season to actually get there and forward that. And then in the meantime, it's just lots of side quests and exploration, which I like. So I've accepted that. So I had fun with the premiere. I like seeing Timothy Oliphant wearing Boba Fett's armor and they fought the crate dragon and that was cool. And then you're right. Episode two was the, like the, almost the definition of a side quest. We found out there could be some Mandalorians on Trask. So he and the character that they're just calling Frog Lady <laughs> um, hopped on the ship and kind of you know, got crashed on a nice planet, had to escape and get away from those creepy spiders. And I had fun with it. I really liked it. Not as much as the first one, but still fun. And I agree with you. This this episode, I think, might be my favorite so far. I feel like in stark contrast to the first season, we did get some definitive answers and forwarding of the plot. Yeah. I feel real confident about where we're going this season. And that was season. great. Yeah. And it makes me feel better about where we're going. So it just, and on top of that, the action was fun. I liked the setting. It felt new. The music and score felt like it was used even better than usual in this show. So I just had a blast. And probably if you don't include the opening recap and like the Star Wars intro and the long credits, this was probably like 28 minutes. Yeah, it's quick. And it flew by in a great way. It's quick. It's only 28 yeah. minutes, but I felt like they kind of maximized every bit of screen time that they had. And to your point earlier about side quests, I'm always down for a good side quest. I don't mind trying to develop the Star Wars world a little bit more. I just think the episode one side quest story really wasn't as interesting as what we've gotten um, in other parts of this show and in episodes two and three of this season. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think the biggest problem we talked about with episode one is that the first 10 minutes were solid before they get to Tatooine. And then for some reason, there was like over 40 minutes left. But that was a long opening episode for no real reason, because they didn't really forward the plot all that much. So I, I've appreciated the runtime of episodes two and three being more like season one and just giving us a strong focus. So I, I had a good time with it. So Austin, it sounds like we definitely recommend this episode. And because of that, it's time to get into spoilers. So let's break it all down. This is 
Your spoiler warning, everybody. We are about to get into anything and everything to do with Season 2, Episode 3 of The Mandalorian, the episode, of course, called The Heiress. So if you have not watched it yet, we recommend it. Go check it out. And then once you watch it, come on back. Yeah, just hit that pause button and we'll be here. We'll be here waiting for you. Yes, sir. All right. So let's get into it. So we had, director-wise, we had Bryce Dallas Howard returning. I believe she directed episode four of season one, which was the one where they go to the foresty planet where he meets Gina Carano for the first time and they kind of utilize and bring together that village to fight off Imperials yeah. and stuff. So that was a fun episode. So I was glad to see that she came back and, of course, written by John Favreau as always. Yeah, let's let her run the whole show. Yeah, I thought this episode was great. I think it was a great use of her talents, whereas in season one, that episode was fun, but it was it was nice to see them give Bryce Dallas Howard more of a story-focused episode instead of last time. So this was, this was much appreciated for me, and I thought she really knocked it out of the park. Um, and yeah, the cast is always, of course, we have Pedro Pascal playing the Mandalorian. We have Misty Rosas as the frog lady once again in a sizable role, which I appreciated. I liked that they didn't just leave that hanging from the end of the last episode. And then the more interesting ones for the world of Star Wars is we had, of course, Giancarlo Esposito coming back briefly as Moff Gideon. We had Titus Welliver, a.k.a. Bosch, as a nameless, maybe, Imperial captain. And then probably the one that people are going to be talking about the most is... We had Katie Sackhoff playing Bo-Katan, which I know Austin, Keith, and I have talked about it. We haven't watched The Clone Wars or Rebels yet, but this was this is pretty cool for those fans because, Austin, I don't know if you know, but this was like a Forrest Whitaker situation where he played Saw Gerrera on that animated show, and then he got cast as the live-action role as well. And this was the same situation. Katie Sackhoff played Bo-Katan in those shows, and then she got to do it in live-action, which is a really cool opportunity, and I feel like one that we don't often see. So how'd you feel about that? Yeah, that's awesome, and I thought she was great in this episode, too. It's always interesting when a, when a, a voice actor tries to go into live action, but I thought she did great here. Yeah, I completely agree. And I'm not too familiar with Katie Sackhoff. I know she does a lot of voice uh, voice of work. I think she's most famous for Battlestar Galactica, another show I, I've never seen. I know people love it. Um, other than that, I haven't really seen too much of her work, but she did a great job in this episode. So speaking of the episode, let's go ahead and break it down real quick to a quick summary before getting into our roundtable discussion. So picking up right from the end of episode two... Mando, the Frog Lady, and of course Baby Yoda have finally made it to Trask. Of course, their ship is falling apart in the process. And very quickly, the Frog Lady is reunited with her husband, which actually almost brought tears to my eyes. Seeing <laughs> the way they put their little heads together and like touch each other's faces and then seeing the husband go up and just uh, like grab Mando's hand. I was like, oh, this is so sweet. <laughs> I really loved it. Cut to Baby Yoda and he's he's pawning at the, at the egg tank. <laughs> <laughs> and Mando's like, I know you're hungry. That was funny. Uh, and then quickly, after this sweet reunion, the Mando is ambushed on a fishing ship while trying to find the other Mandalorians when he's pointed in that direction by the frog's husband. Mando is then, in an awesome scene, rescued by Bo-Katan and the Mandalorians he has been looking for. So they are able to strike a deal where Mando will help them rob an Imperial freighter, and in return they will essentially tell him how to find a Jedi, or they might even take him to a Jedi. Unfortunately, though, things don't go to plan because during the heist, Bo-Katan reveals her actual objective is to find the Darksaber and use it to retake their homeworld of the planet Mandalore. After the heist is finished, Bo-Katan tells Mando he can find the Jedi Ahsoka Tano in the city of Kaladin on the planet Corvus. So Mando and Baby Yoda depart Trask in search of this Jedi. Just reading that plot summary got me amped all over again. I really had a blast with this episode. Yeah, and I mentioned it in, in the intro, but... 
it really feels like in terms of moving the story forward, this should have been the premiere episode. And the more I think about it, the more it feels weird that we started with episode one, because that is just a side story. It feels weird to have us wait for a year for the show to come back and then not move the story forward at all, really, in the first two episodes. And then finally we get to episode three, and now we are moving the main objective forward. I really, I really think this should have been the premiere episode. Yeah, well, let's break that down a bit because we're going to go ahead and switch over to our roundtable discussion here. And that was Austin's first point that he wanted to bring up. Certainly an interesting one. Should this have been the premiere episode? Um, you know, and I'm shocked I'm saying this as somebody that really didn't love the story progression in season one. All I'll say is I think it makes sense because at the end of season one, it's not like Mando is given a location. He wasn't said, hey, there are Mandalorians on Trask. It was just go find other Mandalorians. So I'm okay with there being an at least one episode before this one where he can like, he's heard of a Mandalorian potentially on Tatooine. He goes there, reunites with some familiar faces, and then of course quickly finds out that this is actually not a Mandalorian. It's Timothy Oliphant wearing Boba Fett armor. But then you're right. Then it just becomes this long, probably mostly needless side quest. And then the second episode is them actually flying to the planet where Mandalorians actually are. And then the third episode is, you know, the actual progression of said storyline set up at the end of season one. So I think the first two episodes could have been consolidated better. But I also understand it's not like they want to epi- they want to end episode one with him flying there because then that kind of robs you of the cool Boba Fett scene. And it, it would have felt like maybe a weird like denouement to the climax of the crate Dragon if they just hop on a ship with the Frog Lady and then go. So all I'm saying is I get it. But I also understand what you're saying because this feels like this could have been a much stronger start because it kind of gets to the Mandalorians right away. I'm okay with him, with the opening up and him not really having a sense of direction. But even in episode one, like right when we start off, he does get a lead on where a Mandalorian possibly could be like really quickly. So it just feels like we could have skipped the whole Tatooine sequence. Sure. I think the problem also is we have no clue still. We've talked about it a bunch. We don't know how Boba Fett's going to be used. So like in the second half of this season, Boba Fett is used a lot then I think it will retroactively make sense to have that first episode where kind of the Boba Fett armor played a big role and then actually seeing him was important, but we don't know that yet. If the purpose of them being on Tatooine was to set up Boba Fett and, ha- and he had actually had a larger role in these last two episodes, I might, I might be feeling differently than I feel right now, but we still haven't seen him since that closing shot, so... Yeah, the the thing, the number one thing I'll agree with you is just episode one was too long. And if you were going to have an episode be 50 minutes, maybe there was a better way to consolidate stuff that happened in both episode one and two so that we can get here and feel a bit better about it. But yeah, so I, I get it for sure. And all in all, though, I'm just surprised because like we've talked about, I really thought in the back of my head there was a possibility that we get to Trask. They find the frog lady's husband. And then Mando's like, hey, where are the Mandalorians you said were here? And then they point somewhere and either they play it for comedy where it's somebody that looks like a Mandalorian but isn't or it's just completely he lied in order to get his wife there. Or it's I just thought it was going to be another like, oh, there's no Mandalorians here. But did you know there are Mandalorians on X planet? And then he just goes there. So I'm glad at least that while it took us a few episodes to get here, at least we weren't kind of led astray again. So... I guess there's positives and negatives to it for sure. Yeah, and, and let's talk about Bo-Katan and these Mandalorians because it, uh, it does appear that they have different beliefs than Mando does. First of all, they remove their helmets, which is something he he can't really do. Um, they call him mm-hmm. they call him a child of the Watch, and they say he's a zealot. Um, so, did it surprise you that there can be kind of like different factions within this Mandalorian religions and different interpretations of the Mandalorian way? 
I know that Bo-Katan is a character like in the animated show and stuff, but I don't know if they dive into the Mandalorian religion at all in that show. I believe they do. I think Mandalore, the Siege of Mandalore and lots of stuff goes on there in those shows, which is why I think once the season is done, I'm finally gonna, you know, we have Disney Plus, I might give it a try and actually see what happens because I am interested. I will say that's one thing this show is making me want to do. I I really want to go watch the animated series now. I really do as well. And I'm definitely going to. I've been talking about it for a long time and there's no better time. So I'm going to go make sure that happens. But to your point, I'm pretty sure they do delve into that on the show. And this was kind of a cool um, follow up. You know, they're talking about what happened to Mandalore. So there was kind of like following up from stuff that happened in the show. But to answer your question, as somebody that hasn't seen it yet, I was kind of surprised that there are factions of the Mandalorians that operate completely differently. But interestingly, I guess I shouldn't be too surprised because that's how religion works too. I mean, we've had certain religions that split from Christianity that form different just based on small little differences and stuff like that. So it shouldn't be too shocking, but I guess I just didn't expect it. So it was cool. Like whenever he's totally on board with them after saving him and then they just take off their masks. And again, we've talked about Pedro Pascal or whoever's actually wearing the armor on set, how they emote through that mask like you could just tell the shock that was there and it was really cool and then to actually hear about some of the differences how these mandalorians led by bo-katan think that the child the children of the watch the ones that uh, lived underground in season one and didn't really do too much until they had to save our main mando um and then kind of split off like they're zealots to them they're like the religious nuts in their eyes which was really interesting i think they called him a cult too yeah they did they did and I thought that was pretty fascinating. So it, it made me really think about a lot of things. And I really liked where we ended up with that because at the end, whenever she tells him this is the way, I kind of thought maybe he would just walk away. I didn't know he would say it, but him saying this is the way back sincerely to me kind of says maybe his views on the Mandalorian culture will evolve over the rest of this series and change. And maybe he'll be a bit more open to certain things and maybe we'll eventually end up at a place where we're trying to save Mandalore and he actually cares about it. And who knows what his interactions could be with people that he's already met, Mandalorians that he's lived with or worked with. Maybe, I feel like this sets up some interesting character stuff is what I'm saying. I think this could get really interesting when it comes to the actual religion of the Mandalorian and how our main Mando deals with it. Yeah, and I... um I, I don't think the show ever really requires you to really think critically. Like I think you're just be able, I think you're just supposed to be able to tune in and just kind of be along for the ride. But when they throw out stuff like this, it really does kind of take the show to a whole other level for me. And I, I really am interested in the different interpretations of the Mandalorian religion, and I want to see where this leads. I hope this becomes a recurring theme throughout this series. Yeah, and I think in the world of the show, it works too because I think you know. Our Mandalorian is also interested in those things. I think he treats the religion with enough honor and respect that he wants to know what other people do with it, like Bo-Katan and others and stuff like that. And I I think that will play a part. I mean, you have to imagine if somehow Bo-Katan comes back and the Darksaber plot from the finale of episode one returns, then if she is able to get it. Will we see more Mandalore stuff and how will the Mandalorian play in? Maybe that's a season three play. Who the hell knows? But Definitely more fascinated with that aspect of the show after this episode specifically, like you said. Well, do you think we'll actually see the attempted recapture of Planet Mandalore in the show? Like, do you think they'll actually go there with that? No, I think they will. And you know why? Because I know these characters mean a lot to people from Clone Wars and Rebels, both those shows. And the cool thing about um, Mandalorian is people sometimes forget, I think. This takes place five years after Return of the Jedi. In the gap between Jedi and Force Awakens, which is a pretty 
unexplored gap for the most part, at least comparatively to the rest of the series. So why not? I mean, if they get the Darksaber back, why not take back Mandalore? I don't know if there's stuff in the sequel trilogy or some books like that focus during that time that like specifically say that Mandalore wasn't recaptured or you know what I mean. But I mean, if it doesn't say stuff like that, then I would expect that maybe season three, that is what we see. Um, I, I think people are going to really respond to these other Mandalorians. So why not lean into it and make that kind of your main goal for season three or something? Yeah, I agree. I really hope we get to see that because it sounds like it sounds like just a, such a cool story to set up. I, I definitely want to see more of it. I think it'd be cool to actually go to Planet Mandalore and see what that looks like as well. Yeah, because I'm not familiar with it. I'd love to see. I want to know more about the history. I want to know where it originated and what that could mean. And now I'm even more fascinated because we talked a little bit about it in previous episodes. But how does Boba Fett fit into that? Is that something that he'll somehow play into as well? I have no idea, but it makes it makes stuff that happened earlier in this season and even last season more interesting in retrospect. So I think it was just a great play and they really executed it well in this episode. We've done a deep dive kind of into the more, I suppose, um, deeper with more depth aspects of this episode. So let's just talk about some of the things that we thought were cool. Like, for example, a lot of time this episode is an action sequence on the boat where he is captured and Baby Yoda almost dies and then the Mandalorians come and save him. And then, of course, the the primary action is whenever Mando joins up with Bo-Katan and crew and they go to rob this Imperial ship. What did you think of the actual action sequences themselves? How'd they make you feel? All that good stuff. Yeah, I always hate when our main character gets taken out of the action. Seeing him stuck in a cage, having nothing to do while everything else was going down wasn't that exciting to me. But the action on the ship I thought was awesome. I love how they're clear to state like, oh, stormtroopers can't hit anything. So, and these guys who are expert marksmen just go in and totally annihilate every crew member on this ship. And, and they look so overpowered and you can tell the stormtroopers don't stand a chance. So I love the way that was shot and how that plays out. Yeah, I thought the boat sequence was cool. And it was, it was surprising because whenever Baby Yoda got kicked in, I thought it was just an accident. And then it was like, oh, it wasn't an accident. They're trying to get his Beskar armor. And I was like, this is really yeah, interesting. Yeah, and that's a cool plot device. I just didn't like that he was taken out of the action. I was, yeah, I, I got that. I was fine with it just because he's always in the action since he's our main character. So it was cool also to see these Mandalorians actually utilize more, I feel, martial arts moves where I feel like Mando's more of a brute in a sense. Definitely he's skilled, no doubt. But it was cool to see some more like acrobatic movements from the other ones. And it was it was a good intro because... Obviously, they were trying to save our main character, so it made them feel pretty powerful. But I, I agree with you. The, the more interesting one to me was the robbing of this Imperial ship, which just had so many cool facets to it. First of all, the four of them just jetpacking through the fog and landing on the ship. Great start. Yeah. I thought that was so yeah. badass. I loved it. And then, and also the shot of the oil rig thing blowing up and then just the streaks of the jetpacks look so cool as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the idea of once they get in... Uh, like there's this whole idea where they're trying to go to the cargo hold to find the dark saber, which we find out later. And then the cargo hold is basically ejected essentially, but somebody fucked up and they locked the Mandos in the other room. So now it's the Mandos getting through the top of the levels of the ship in order to get to the cockpit. And Mando at one point kind of, he's been having issues with Bo-Katan, especially after the cargo hold when he finds out why they're actually there. But still there's a great scene where he kind of, he utilizes, I suppose maybe his more, stronger armor and i mean almost dies in that process almost sacrifices himself just to get them through because while this is all going on we we have um 
at the Imperial captain trying to, at one point, raise the ship so they could reach, like, higher. And then later on, of course, he's just going to dive bomb it in order to kill everybody. So lots lots of moving parts. So what were some of your favorite elements of this? I loved it when Titus Volliver popped up. Yeah, you love you love Bosch, Yeah, right? yeah. I didn't know he was in this season. So seeing him is, was super cool. And I love how they do that in this show. They get um, a slightly well-known actor and just put him in a, a non-essential part. But still, it's just cool to see how, like, different actors can pop up in the show. So I always love when they do that here. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, the running with the grenades is awesome. Um, and it had some really good humor, too, with when it cuts back to... Uh, Titus Welliver, the Imperial captain, and his two like lieutenants, and you hear um, the rest of the soldiers kind of screaming over the radio. Like they, it had some really good comedy in this episode as well. Yeah, there are some great moments for sure, and yeah, I just really loved it all. And then, of course, we had the moment that we didn't talk about it where he gets a message from Moff Gideon, played by Giancarlo Esposito, who I didn't expect to see this early in the season. Obviously, just a quick little moment. We know he has the dark saber from the first season, and he basically tells them that he's not sending backup because it's too late. And then uh, Titus Welliver's character kills both the pilots, and then he takes over, just going to dive bomb it. And it just got so exciting from there. And then they catch him, no dark saber. And I guess because of that, like I, the way I interpreted it is if they had found the dark saber on the ship, then Bo-Katan and crew would have taken Mandalorian and Baby Yoda to Ahsoka directly, but because it's not there, they're going to go try and get it. And so then they just tell him where she is. So either way, it works. But I thought it was interesting. And of course, that gave us the great CB mentioned earlier where she, they do come to some common ground where, you know, they kind of agree. And she says, this is the way. And he says it back. So good moments for sure. I like how she also offers him a place in her ranks whenever, if she, if he does want to join in in the recapture of, of planet Mandalore as well. Yeah. And to your point, I don't think that's a throwaway line. I think we're going to get some type of follow-up with that, whether it's later in this season. My, my guess is next season. But either way, I think we're going to get some really cool stuff with that. And I don't think this is the last we're going to see of Bo-Katan. I wonder if there's also, too, for like a potential like Crusades-type storyline where these uh, Mandalorians do try to retake their homeworld, but then all these different factions of their religion can't work together, so they end up fighting internally as well. I have no idea. I guess we'll see, because it didn't really seem like Mando at first was all that interested in it. He, like, he didn't even know that was an option. Yeah, he even says, he says, like, that planet's dead or something like that. But, and then she's, of course, is like, don't believe everything you hear. And that ties in with the whole him being just underground most of his life as a Mandalorian in that cult. So, you know, we'll see where it goes. I do think we'll see something with it. But let's focus on lighter fare before we wrap this up. We got, um, after some controversy, certainly, if you were on Twitter at all last week, there was some people that kind of agreed more with me. I wasn't as hardcore about it, but I just was like, I just didn't really appreciate the comedy of Baby Yoda eating all the frog ladies' eggs. It worked for me the first time, but then as it kept going, I was like, ah, this just isn't really funny to me. Were people upset about this on Twitter? I didn't see that at all. What were they saying? Well, it was, you know, they were just, they, it was just to kind of see like a more hardcore version of what my takeaway. They just really didn't think it was funny. And they're like, oh no, Baby Yoda's not so cute anymore. I, I don't really care that much, <laughs> but it, it just, it didn't work for me in that episode. So... Anyway, we got some follow-up in this one, where in order to go help out the other Mandalorians, of course, Mando drops off Baby Yoda to be babysat by Frog Lady and Frog Husband, and we actually get some pretty cute scenes here. Um, Baby Yoda gets to witness basically the first of the eggs um, hatching, essentially, and then there's a cute little scene where <laughs> the, the baby is in a little bowl of water, and they're kind of like... It's, it's like whenever you see videos of, of like an older sibling meeting their uh, newborn... <laughs> 
uh, sibling for a first time. And they're just like, the parents are like kind of guiding his hands and he's kind of like petting it. It was cute. I thought it was fun. You know what these little like baby frog things reminded me of? Hmm. When you were a kid, did you ever do the, those things where you like leave like a plastic type of animal in a cup of water and it expands over time? Yeah, that's how it looked after a while. But I thought that was fun. It, it was obviously, it, I wouldn't even call it a subplot. It was just something that they cut back to very rarely, if at all, because it, it might have just happened before he left and then after the journey was done. So whatever. I thought I thought it worked for the most part. And it, it certainly left a better taste in my mouth after last episode. <laughs> but um, Austin, why don't you take away our last point here, which is kind of leads into where we think this rest of the season might go. Yeah, so Ashoka is obviously a big character in the animated shows, and I know you and I aren't. Yeah. Uh, I know you and I haven't seen the animal show, animated shows, but um, for what I understand, she has she does have like a background with Anakin Skywalker as well. So, what do we think about yeah. her potentially making a live action debut in this show? And do you think we'll get any any callbacks to the uh, prequels as well? I think it's possible. Um, I, I'd be curious to see what her thoughts are on the events of the original trilogy now that we're after that. But yeah. I don't know too much about Ahsoka. I know that she was Anakin's apprentice between episodes two and three of the actual Skywalker saga. And then she ended up leaving the Jedi Order and then returned in much later in Rebels uh, and also the Clone Wars, of course. That's where she originated. But she came. She comes back in Rebels. And now this takes place even after that. So she'll be in live action. I won't say who she's played by in case people don't know, but I've already seen that casting. So it seems pretty cool. And... Yeah, we've already talked about it a bit, but I mean, it seems like it's a great choice, not only for fans to have a live action version, but also if you're going to meet a Jedi, why not have one that was there during the prequels, there during the in-between of the prequels and the original and events of the original trilogy as well. Now we're done with that. So this character has seen so much history that involves the Jedi and even the Mandalorian. She's she's very familiar. She's had like connectivity with Yoda and Obi-Wan and stuff, right? So she's going to know exactly what baby Yoda is the second she sees him. That's why, yeah, it's a great point. Like she's literally had conversations with Master Yoda. So if that happens this season, which we know it will at some point, I don't know how big of a role she will play. But if there is a scene where they finally meet and Mando introduces Baby Yoda, it's going to be at the very least, she'll be able to provide some pretty immediate answers. Now, again, we Yoda's dead at this point. Yoda died in, in uh, Return of the Jedi. So... Uh, does this mean – I don't know if that means Ahsoka has answers in terms of – I mean, you can leave him with me if you, if your goal is to find his people. I am a Jedi, but if you're looking for his species, there are really not too many out there. Like, they're pretty rare. We don't know too much about them. Yoda was kind of the main one. So it, it could lead to some interesting stuff. Yeah, and also, you know what I just thought of? What if Boba is still uh, working as a bounty hunter and he has a target on Ashoka and that's how they end up meeting? Yeah, again, either way, they could they could do some interesting stuff. We just Boba Fett is just such like an unknown quantity right now because we we talked about it previously. Like, is he still a bounty hunter? And then we're like, I guess maybe, but why does he look like he's um, doing an episode of Man vs. Wild? He's <laughs> dressed in like nomad gear with weapons and stuff. Like, it doesn't really seem like that's his goal. But we have no clue. We have no idea what he wants. And if he is doing an episode of Man vs. Wild, he needs to get paired up with Baby Yoda because that that kid can eat anything. I think he could teach him a few things. Yeah, that could be a good spinoff show for Disney Plus next year. Boba and Boba Yoda. (laughs) (laughs) Boba Yoda, deadliest catch. There you go. Deadliest catch. It all takes place on Trask. (laughs) That's our goal. And with that, we are coming to the end of our show. So Austin, let everybody know once again, 
Where can they find us and what do they need to know about upcoming episodes? All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss any of our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we'd really appreciate that so we can continue to grow the show. I know it doesn't seem like it, but that really is the best way to help us grow. At The Arnie's is our social and thearnies.media is the website. You can catch our main episode every Tuesday. This week, we're talking Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, and that is the finale in our ongoing Star Wars series that we've been doing since June. Yeah, so it's it's a long time coming, but we made it. And of course, with the Mandalorian episodes coming out, we'll still have some Star Wars content for you. We can't escape it. We're never getting away from this franchise. Yeah, besides Star Wars, we also have some, uh, we did an episode on overlooked movies. So coming up, we're going to do some overrated movie discussions. We also are bringing back the brackets, of course, for the holidays. So our first one will be on sports movies. So lots of good content coming for you. So yeah, like Austin said, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon Music. Find us there, subscribe, do all that good stuff. And make sure you like and follow us over on Instagram, at The Arnie's. Send us a DM. Give us a follow. If you're, if you're sending us a DM, what do you think of The Mandalorian so far? Did you like this episode? What do you think of episode nine, since we're talking about that? What are some of your favorite underrated movies? We have so many random topics. Let us know what you're liking. And give us some recommendations for future shows as well, so that we can make sure to get that on the schedule. We love talking with you guys. And if you should choose to message us, whatever you say, we will read it on one of our episodes. So send us a message. Yes. I think that's it. Bye, everybody. We'll see you on Tuesday. This is the way.